1: NBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow up episode for Season 11, Episode 4. Claudia Speaks. In this week's episode, we heard from eyewitness Claudia. She talked about what happened the night of the shooting before it occurred, what happened during the shooting, what happened when she went and visited the police department, and most importantly and shockingly, she told us about her interactions with Assistant District Attorney Eileen Bogar before Pablo's trial. I am joined today in the studio, as always, by Mr. Mike Bussing, and back from his assignment is the one and only Zach Weaver. Hey, guys.
2: The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available
1: with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro. Driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost. Alright, we got a bunch of questions from all of you listeners, and Zach, after being gone for a couple of weeks, has got a list of notes here, so I guess we'll start with you, Zach. What do you got? So, in this episode,
0: I caught a couple of things, and I, I just want to clarify. It sounds like a few of these individuals worked at the Perfect Rack. It sounds like Ron mm-hmm. was a bouncer, and maybe Jason worked there, too? Yeah, at one point or another. I
1: think I think Ron I, – I think they – I'm trying to remember. One of them was still working there, or they, they worked on and off as bouncers. But, yeah, Jason and Ron both at one point or another worked at the rack. That's why Claudia knew that – like, she knew – she didn't know even their names. I think she did know Jason's name, or it might have been Ron, whichever. You have to go back and listen to what she said. Um, but she, she knew who they were by sight. She just didn't know them personally.
0: Okay. It, it just – that seems like some strange – actions to do at your workplace if you're going to shoot somebody out in the parking lot i
1: i I got the impression that it wasn't like this is like their full-time job with benefits type of deal like it was a yeah for example like there's a a barn bridge the getaway in bridgman Mm -hmm. they don't have bouncers but if they have like a big band there or they have like they've done like you know like bikini contests or things that they they pay people cash to come in occasionally to bounce I, i got the impression it was more something like that. that
0: makes sense that makes sense you know, I I did catch something and and it could be something interesting, it could be nothing. But in the interview Claudia said she followed the the Cadillac until it turned off its lights and stopped, and then that's when she turned around. Right. And she said she followed it to 18th Street. Now, I think in a previous in, uh I think in a previous interview, I think we
1: learned that Ron lived on 18th Street. I could be wrong, but I I think he did. That's a good thought. I have to I that was in Pablo's interview when he talked about when he came home that night, because he was explaining, wasn't he explaining that he had driven past Ron's house in his yes. semi? Ron saw it and then called him and told him he wanted to report it stolen. It might have been. Uh, well, I'll have to go back. You listeners definitely go back, check out uh, that interview with Pablo, and I'll definitely listen again. We'll talk about it again next week. But, uh, But you might be right.
0: I believe it, they lived on the same cross street and Pablo right. lived on like 15th and Ron lived on 18th or something along that, those that lines. That
1: sounds right. But I have to, I'll have to go back and listen to verify.
0: So, I mean, when she said that, that really jumped out to me and maybe, maybe I just made that up in my
1: head, but it, that really jumped out to me when she said like that. Like they were going back to Ron's house. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The other thing that struck me really, really weird, but kind of also interesting was when she said that the shots were meant for Emerson. Mm-hmm. Because as you alluded in the episode, it, it sounded like he was kind of caught in the crossfire, but. Right you know she made it really seem like he was shot and maybe multiple times not just on accident
1: you know th- when i was asking her about I, we're going to co- we're going to cover in this week's episode the forensics about which guns belonged you know belonged to who and and who got shot by what gun mm-hmm. but so that that'll that'll paint the picture but that's why i was asking when she cuz cuz I, I don't think that jason is the one that shot emerson okay because of the angles that you know he's, he she said he fired at the ground he shot adrian and then was chasing Adrian and firing at him the whole way, where Emerson would have been behind him.
0: Well, that's what, that's why I wonder if maybe Emerson saw the second shooter and was like confronting him or coming at him, and that's where the you know he shot the second shooter.
1: I think he was a little too or far he was away for that shot
0: by the second shooter.
1: Yeah, I, I think he was a little too far away from that. But but we'll be able to see if number if first of all if he was shot by the second shooter. I believe he was, uh, but that's why I was asking her if there was an angle, and she did say that. That, yeah, I guess if it was if it was the second shooter, that the angle would be right. Meaning if they were shooting at Adrian and they shot past him, that it could have hit Emerson where he was standing.
0: Hmm, That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, I said crossfire, but, it, you know, the, which would indicate he was between the shooter and the intended target. But yeah. I, I think it's I think he was beyond the intended target.
0: That's interesting. So So you don't believe that those shots, even though she said that were intended for him.
1: I, well, I don't know. I should, it doesn't seem it, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, he's a seventeen year old kid. He's not. You know, as far as we know, he hadn't been around. We don't have a whole lot of victimology on him, but you know, it's not somebody that hung around there. Didn't have beef with these guys. You know, they weren't even shooting at Escobar, his buddy. You know, when they were running away, all the shots that Jason was taking were all assuming aimed at Adrian. He's the one that got shot, and and he was running away with him. So it would be it, it would seem weird to me that they're like, oh that kid over there on the sidewalk he got out of their car too we better shoot him too
0: yeah that seems like a strange action if that's what they did
1: yeah could be I don't know but that the, the, but that's what I did want to know from her conversation was was there an angle where he could where where a bullet intended for Adrian could have hit Emerson so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dig into this week a little bit of not only the forensics as far as the gun but also the the autopsy and see how many times he was shot and by what kind of gun
0: so and just to clarify something there there was two people charged with this murder right. is that correct pablo and then and jason woolley was also charged with the right, murder right
1: and that was it yeah jason was tried first and convicted his case was pretty cut and dry he did try to fight it uh, but he had he had confessed to yeah i was there yeah i had the gun yeah i shot but then claimed well, I only shot at the ground, and I don't know who those other people shooting were, okay, which is bullshit,
0: yeah, that does sound like a lot of bullshit and and he never flipped on anybody as far as I mean that's what we know
1: no, even later on, we'll get into this stuff, but a little bit later on, he did sign a sworn affidavit saying that that pablo he had no connection to Pablo, and Pablo was definitely not there, and that but that he will not name who the people were, but they'll just say that they weren't Pablo.
0: And, and then Claudia at his, at Jason's trial is where she saw Shorty. Right. Or beliefs she, she saw
1: Shorty. Yeah. Well, she's sure. of She knew him from being around. Again, didn't really know his name. But so, But she, when she saw him standing there, she's like, oh, that's the guy. And then when she went to Pablo's trial, she thought the whole time that it was going to be him. She thought that's who she had identified. Okay. And then when she gets to Pablo's trial... And she looks, she's in the witness room, and she looks through the window and sees them bring him him come out. She's like, wait a minute, that's not the guy.
0: So that kind of brings me to my last question for you, is how did she just happen to pick Pablo out of the lineup? Like, that's the person they wanted her to pick. So how mm-hmm. did she just so happen to pick that individual? Was it just dumb luck that she picked the, the guy that they wanted her to pick? Or was she pointed in that direction?
1: She didn't. I asked her about that, and she she said, no, they didn't really indicate to her that they didn't try to lean her towards Pablo okay um, that she remembered but it depends so when Adrian was asked years later about you know the the surviving victim about his ID because at one point he he picked Pablo out of a lineup too same same lineup he said well it was pretty obvious who it was because I think the way he put it in the in the in the six photos, he said that you got five guys in there that are from, that are obviously from Mexico, and, and his words were, and there's this one Chicano guy, so that's the. I don't know. We talked about you know uh, you know cross racial identification and, and the problems there. I don't know that I could tell the difference, but he was able to to tell that well these other guys aren't aren't guys you know you know guys with Mexican heritage living in Texas. Those guys are from Mexico. Interesting. So so he said it was pretty, you know, it's, it, for him, it was pretty obvious that that was the only guy in the six pack that that could fit the description at all.
0: Yeah, I just found it really bad luck if she just happened to point out the one guy that they wanted her to point out. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's
1: weird. Well, and if you look at and again, same issue applies. But if you look at the photos, we've got them out there on our our board outside. You know, if you're looking at only a headshot, at least for me, I could see, you know, it's like I could see like they look similar to me. But, but, you know, as a white guy looking at, at them, I could see some some similarities at least. So you, you only look. But it, it, as she said, it became very obvious when you see him standing there. She came face. She's what she say, five foot six, or five foot four. I think she said five four. And she said she came face like, like close enough to touch the other shooter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the guy was her height. Short guy. And so when she sees, you know, six foot tall Pablo stand up, 240 pounds, she's yeah, like, that's oh, that's, clearly not him. Yeah, obviously not him.
2: Interesting. All right, guys, let's jump into these questions. Kim says, I'd still like to know the status of Pablo's case now. Could Claudia's statement, if proven, result in consequences to the prosecutor? And if so, what could those be? Well, that's one of the biggest
1: problems that we have in our criminal justice system is the immunity that, that prosecutors and cops get when they – I mean, this is this is not an accident. There, th- These immunities are put in place. For because because a prosecutor and a cop needs to be able to do their job. Right. And they're going to make mistakes. You know, it's like if you think about it, like in the the healthcare world, you know, the amount of insurance they have to have because, you know, they're there trying to help people. But, you know, they make mistakes just like anybody else. And and they get sued all the time. So they 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 can't have the idea is that cops and prosecutors can't operate if every single time they make a mistake. That they're going to get sued, and so they they have this immunity. What it's not intended for is intentional and knowingly committing prosecutorial misconduct. Which is, And I would say an eyewitness telling you before trial that's 100% not the guy and then pursuing the case against him anyway and then having one of your officers get on the stand and lie, that's not an accident. That is absolute prosecutorial misconduct. Unfortunately, because of the immunity, I don't know. I don't know what consequences there could be, if if any. As far as the state of the case, uh, we're going to be pretty soon here, we're going to be hearing from Pablo's attorneys. and They'll break all that down.
2: All right. Sarah's got a few questions. Would Claudia sign an affidavit that she told the prosecutor before the trial that Pablo wasn't the shooter? And would this help Pablo today? I believe she has done
1: that. But again, that when we have uh, Pablo's attorneys on, they'll, they'll be able to break down exactly where things are at. But my understanding is that she has, in fact, filled out an affidavit to that regard.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW.
1: Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Next, Sarah says, has the friend who was with Adrian that night spoken with authorities or given his account of the night? Yeah, I have a recorded
1: interview from Escobar for with the DA's um, office during the, the reinvestigation of 2017. And I haven't played it because they're just, he doesn't really, he he essentially says he doesn't, he he doesn't know anything. Didn't see anybody, doesn't know who the shooters were, just talked to me. And we walked up, Wooly started shooting, they ran away, and he never saw the other shooter.
2: Did Pablo have a public defender? No, he had a private attorney. All right, and then Sarah's got a few here from last week's episode. So they only did a photo array which wouldn't have shown the height difference. Are these photo array lineups still used today? Uh yeah, I think so. But the the problem
1: is the, the problem wasn't just showing her the photo array. That's uh, that's not that uncommon. There's nothing really wrong with that. The problem is that it was the lack of follow-up. So they give her this photo array which according to Adrian only involved one guy that could even possibly fit the descri- fit the description. They knew, yeah, and it's about the selection, right? So they put Pablo in there because of the car. Even though his uh, King's notes say that they picked the people for the photo array based on her description, but that's not true. He admitted in the appeals in the in the habeas uh, hearing that that wasn't true because her description was that the shooter was like five foot six. And they, t- they put a six foot tall guy. I mean, that's no little difference. That's a half a foot. Uh, so so he didn't fit this. So, so when you're selecting the people in there, you should – if she says he's, you know, he's Hispanic, he's about five foot six, and he's got light colored skin and blah, blah, blah. Then you should have a photo array with six guys that all fit that general description. They didn't do that. Uh, but in this case, too, they, they had their opportunity for follow up. So what they were going to do for the follow up was then do uh, an in-person lineup and they videotaped the, the lineup Instead of just having her go there, they videotaped it. And then, you know, we can, I'll give you my opinion and speculation. They didn't show it to her because it was obvious. When they did the video lineup, here's Pablo. He's over six foot tall. He's a big guy. Doesn't fit her description at all. They didn't want to show her that and her not pick him because then their case would be blown. They already had the car registration came back to him and she picked him from a lineup. So they never, and you heard on the interview, she didn't know that. She didn't know they'd even done that until I told her. That there was a video lineup that she was never shown. That's pretty devious to do that with that the the video lineup. Yeah, fuck Swainson.
0: Yeah, to withhold that that is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah,
1: he's a crook. I've been saying since season ten, he's a crooked cop. He's absolutely. We have multiple occurrences where he has lied and and, and changed statements and and has, has testified under oath, lying to try to get a conviction for someone that he damn well knew was innocent. Did they give a
0: reason why they did not? Nope. Or do they just try to hide the fact that they even did it?
1: Uh, I think I read it in the out, out of King's testimony, and he didn't explain it. They just said, and you didn't show it to him? No. And he said something along the lines of, well, I had reasons not to, and wouldn't elaborate on what the reasons were.
2: Wow. I'm surprised they let that go. Yeah. Last Sarah says, how bad is Pablo kicking himself right now that he didn't report the car stolen at Ron's initial call?
1: Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, obviously hindsight's always 20 but here's the thing. It wouldn't have made a difference. So you're dealing with a corrupt police department and a corrupt DA's office that already set their sights on him. But they had plenty of other evidence. I mean, we're, we're not even talking about the fact that in King's own notes, he says that everyone at the scene, it literally says everyone said that it was Jason, Ron, and Shorty. Everyone there said that. And they still were going after Pablo. They knew that Claudia said the person was five foot six, and they still go after six foot tall Pablo. So, so if you think that if he had just called and reported the call stolen at five o'clock in the morning, that that would have got him off the hook, you're wrong, because they would have spun it. They would have said, "Well, see, he used the car in the murder, and then he reported it stolen to try to hide that. You know, to, to try to hide it." So I, I don't think it would have I don't think it would have made any difference. Once they had already decided that he was their guy, he was going to be their guy, and that was it.
2: All right, Devin's got a few thoughts. At the end of the episode, when Claudia is talking about the trials and testifying, she said she was expecting to see Richard at Pablo's trial and was surprised to see Pablo instead, knowing he was not the shooter. Was she told ahead of time whose trial she was testifying at and what the charges were?
1: Yeah, but, yeah, she was. She knew she was testifying at the Pablo Velez trial and that he was being charged with murder. But you got to understand, she didn't know any of these guys' names. And that's the – like, things get very confusing. And, and we hear in those later interviews, my conversation with Claudia and some of the later interviews with police with Adrian. Is, you know, They're like, well, you kept saying this guy. Or you kept saying, you know, some of this. it's because, because I knew it was Shorty and you told me it was that guy. So I thought that guy was Shorty. That, that's what happened with Adrian. So he's he's when he's looking at Pablo he's he's he thinks he's Shorty because he knows Shorty did it because everybody in the neighborhood told him Shorty did it and he just didn't know the difference. So in Claudia's case, she knows she's going to Pablo's and the and if my understanding's right, when she is at Wooly's trial and she sees Shorty in the crowd, she knows one hundred percent that's him, that's the guy. I saw that guy and I think in her mind she thought so that must be Pablo, and then. When she goes to Pablo's trial, the way she described it, she was like in the witness area where they're sequestered. She looked through a window or whatever, and she saw Pablo and was like, oh, hey, that's not him.
0: Can we talk for a second about how balls it was for Shorty to go to Jason's trial to be there? Yeah, that, that is ludicrous to me that if you're if he's did what they say he did, he goes to the trial. I mean, I guess he's trying to see if anybody's going to rat on him, but.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that some of the stuff where I've alluded to it a little bit but we're going to we're going to talk about it more I think this week. I think that there was he was there my opinion he was there to intimidate. Okay. I think he, I think he was there he wanted I think he wanted Jason to see him so he knew if if you point the finger at me you're going to have a rough time in prison. Is what was going on. That's the only reason I can I can I can figure for why he was there yeah, it just based seems, on what I know about the case. It just seems really ballsy to go to the trial. Right. And he wasn't at Pablo's mm-hmm. because, again, he doesn't know Pablo. Yeah. They have no connection whatsoever to Pablo. So he wouldn't expect Pablo to say anything about him. Um, but he was at Woolley's trial.
0: Th- that makes a lot of sense that he's there for intimidation, though.
1: Yeah. And again, that's just my opinion. But that's that's what makes sense to me knowing what we know. Um, he was also very good friends with Wooly, um, so you know they they rolled together. They were actually involved in another shooting together uh, shortly after this one. Oh wow, yeah, shocking! Police couldn't put no shit. <laughs> Police couldn't put that together that that's what happened. But yeah, but it regarded the question. Yeah, so so she knew she was going to Pablo Velez's trial. The problem was she thought Shorty was Pablo, or she thought the guy she saw, I think, was Pablo, and that's you know. And she did the, you know I got I got to take my hat off to Claudia because I mean she. She's got guts. I mean, that, that's a that's a hell of an intimidating situation to be in. And she went to the DA. And and by the way, somebody said something earlier, one of those questions about, you know, if if Claudia's statement could be proven. I think the proof is in is in um Bogar's opening statement. When she in her opening statement, when she said that that Claudia is not going, you know, what you should what you're not gonna hear is Claudia identify him she probably won't be able to identify him in the room but don't worry because the officers will clear that up for you that tells you right there that she already knew Claudia already knew that that wasn't that that wasn't the shooter that Pablo wasn't the shooter so yeah that that's a, that's how that went down and and I think that that's that's proof right there you can she can't claim oh well I didn't know that she didn't think it was Pablo she obviously did
0: so in her interview, she says that she told them when she was on the stand that that wasn't the shooter. Do we know that she said that or she just said she couldn't ID him?
1: As far as what she said on the stand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered that the week before. She, um, When she was on the stand, she, they, they questioned her about, did you pick out the lineup? Is that your signature? Is that the person you ID'd? Yeah. And then they said, is, is the person who, I don't remember how they word it, but essentially they said, is the person who you saw shoot them in the courtroom. And she said, no. And this is, is this the person can you identify him? Pablo as the person that, that was the shooter. And she said, no, she couldn't, but that's when, and then remember Bogar. that's when she's like, well, it's been two years. Mm-hmm. That, so we're going to bring up detective Swainson and he'll clear all this up.
2: All right. You just mentioned that Claudia mentioned that she told the prosecutor that Pablo wasn't the shooter during, as opposed to before Pablo's trial. Was that during a break in the trial? Did her trial prep happen during a recess?
1: Well, I think I don't think she was real clear on where things were at. I I think it was before the trial. She was one of the first witnesses, and so I think it was on the day of before. And and, and again, I'll go back to the reason I know it was before the actual trial started. Because keep in mind, there, there's there's Wadir with the jury selection. There's all the motions before the judge. There's a lot going on that looks like trial before the innocence guilt phase of the trial starts. But based on Bogar's opening statement, that tells me that that conversation happened before the trial started. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs)
2: Jessica says, Who was the district attorney during the four wrongful convictions that we've heard about? Melgar, Jeffley, Raby, and Pablo. Was it the same person through all of them?
1: No, it wasn't. Um, I'd have to, I tried to real quick look this up before we came in when, when Mike ran that question by me, and I wasn't able to track it down. I'll have to do a little more research into it. But I know that, you know, Kim Ogg. Is the district attorney now? Uh, I don't even think she was the DA when Sandy Melgar was originally convicted. I think she got elected after that, but I don't believe. So we were in Jeff Lee. We're talking about. So we're talking about a span from mid '90s all the way through 2017 when Sandy Melgar was convicted, and and I don't recall exactly who the district attorney, the elected district attorney, was during those time. But I'm but I'm 99 certain. It wasn't the same person through that whole 20 years. But the problem is systemic in Houston. I mean, the, the, these are not – and I think that is – the fact that there were different DAs and different police officers throughout those years shows us that, 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 that there's a deep systemic problem in Houston, in Harris County. I mean, there's so many wrongful convictions, so many obvious wrongful convictions that have happened. You know, and there's been – you know there, there we talked about in Jeff Lee's case, the fingerprint lab. Their their forensic laboratory, the DNA laboratory, has has been under scrutiny. They've been shut down at points because of just constant misconduct. I mean, it's just it's just a, it's a horrible it, it's a horrible place. And I hope they're getting getting their act together. You know, I haven't seen much that 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 has made me too excited about Kim Og, but you know, the hope has been that she'll clean things up in that town. And if she won't, then they need to get her out and get somebody else in there that will. Because
2: this is this shit's been going on for decades. Kelly's got a couple questions. Could we please get field reports from Zach when he is out on assignment?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So uh, as you guys know, Zach was out on assignment last week, wasn't able to be here in the studio. Zach, do you want to uh, give a report of your assignment, how things went?
0: Uh, Yeah, so my child was sick and we had to get a COVID test for him so he could go back to school. He is negative. We knew he was negative
2: going in, but we needed to have the test so he could go back to school. Job well done. It was a nice job you did there. Next, Kelly says, Bob, how is Mac and are the dogs all getting along?
1: So those for those of you that don't know that aren't on my social media, a couple weeks ago we got a brand new puppy, a German short haired puppy named Mac. He's adorable. He's amazing. He's doing really well. He just uh, my wife just took him today for his second round of shots. He is um, he is at eleven weeks at this point. Uh, he's up to fifteen pounds, healthy as a horse. Uh, just great puppy. Almost he's he's already almost got the potty training down. Our big German Shepherd Ruger loves him. And uh, they cuddle together all the time. And Ruger's Ruger, is, at 120 pounds, is uh, is is really sweet with little Mac. Mac will will shove his head into Ruger's mouth, his whole head, and Ruger will be very gentle with him. Titus, on the other hand, our smaller German Shepherd, is an asshole and does not like Mac at all. He's not hurting him, but he doesn't like being in the same room as him. And if Mac is within two feet of him,
2: he he growls and cries and goes away. All right, a couple questions from Brian here. Does Ron have an alibi for the night of the shooting if he was asked by investigators?
1: Well, the biggest problem with Ron is he was never spoken to by investigators. I mean, I mean think about that for a second. Their notes say everyone at the Perfect Rack said that it was Jason, Ron, and Shorty and they never neither Swainson or King ever interviewed Ron or Shorty.
0: And Swainson said that Ron was never brought up to him, I believe. It was King said that. Was it was King that said that?
1: Yeah, okay. and it was and it was King's notes and the official report that said that multiple people brought them up and that everyone, you know, so the people around the neighborhood all reported it was him and then everyone from the his words were everyone from the scene said that's who did it.
2: Uh next he says, "Do we know if Jason and Pablo had connections to each other?"
1: They had none. None whatsoever. From what I've seen, but then that's both from Pablo and from Jason and from anybody that knew them. They didn't. Pablo didn't hang out at the perfect rack. I think he. I think he said that he maybe he had probably been there a time or two for a little bit. I think. Um. I think another witness said, yeah, he'd been a couple times, but he would just pop in, get a drink, and leave. He didn't hang out with those people. He didn't know those people. He didn't have any connection to him.
2: Kelly says so far this season is both intriguing and maddening at the same time. I'm loving the podcast as always, shedding light on dirty deeds being done in darkness, but I feel like I'm sort of along for a story. It seems like the identity of the actual shooters is known. The corruption in the law enforcement office is blatantly clear, so what is our role in Pablo's story? What can the Truth and Justice Army do at this point that lawyers can't do for him? What do they need from you and us? Thanks for all you do, Bob, Zach, and Mike.
1: Well, there's always the the hope that... We might be able to find something new through through our work and just through the exposure. But the big thing that that we can do is expose these people, take it to a broader audience. I mean, think about the fact that this this case sounds pretty horrible. It's pretty obvious, like you said, but you've never heard of it before because you know there hasn't been a Netflix documentary or anything about this case. So, getting the word out, getting exposure, helping to put the pressure on the DA's office these are all things that we can do. But as I mentioned. We're going to wrap this season up. And, it's, and I told you, this is a short season, and we've probably got three more episodes left to go on this one. It's a, it's a story. It It is a story that I thought needed to be told. And and remember, his lawyers brought it to us because they wanted this exposure. They wanted our involvement. And when we wrap the season, the final episode is going to be Pablo's attorneys explaining to us where they're at in the legal process, what they're doing next, and more, most importantly, what we can do to help.
2: Lynn says, Bob, during your recent participation in the undisclosed addendum, you stated a major reason Pablo was charged centered on the fact no one was willing to testify against Shorty. Claudia states in her interview with you that she told the prosecutor before trial that she saw the blue shirt shooter at Jason's trial in the gallery. Would Claudia's ID testimony not be enough for conviction against Shorty? She already demonstrated disregard for her personal safety when chasing after someone firing a gun.
1: I mean, so go back in time. If in that instant, if if Eileen Bogart was an honest prosecutor and they already knew they had problems with the case, they already knew that Pablo had sold that car. They had the access to that evidence. They already had the phone records. And then if Claudia says, hey, 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 that's not him. It was the guy that was at the other trial. Now Now, granted, she didn't say it was Shorty. She said it was the guy at the other trial. I saw him there. So it would have taken some investigative work to figure out who exactly that was, but as he was all over the case file, it wouldn't have been that difficult. So in the perfect world with an honest prosecutor, they say, "Okay, we got the wrong guy. At the very late, at the very least, let's let's put a continuance on the trial. Let's hold off until we figure this out." I mean, think about that. That's all it would have taken. Your star witness says, "Hey, you're trying the wrong guy." The easiest thing to do would be to say, "Okay, well let's let's hit pause here and and check this out and verify that we have the right guy or if we don't then we need to not try him. So so if she had done that and then they started looking into and investigating then yeah that may have led to an arrest of Shorty Cisneros and which then may led to her testifying. And I believe from the little bit I've got to know Claudia I, I I 100% believe she would have te- she would have stood up and testified. I mean she was she's tough and she would have as as scared as she might have been. I mean like you said she chased after a guy shooting a gun, followed the people in the car, and she stood up at trial in, in court and testified against him. So I think she would have. So, yeah, if we went back in time and the prosecutor had done the right thing, yeah, it would have been super easy. Now we're looking at a closed case. and they already have somebody in prison who's supposed to be the second shooter. It's a whole – it's it's a, it's a lot more hoops to jump through to get there. But, but we're going to see – in this, my my intention for this week's episode is to cover a little bit of the forensics, the autopsy, and then I want to talk about what was going on with the other witnesses and why the police just didn't go after Shorty Iran.
2: Okay, that's it for questions this week. Thanks, everybody, for writing in.
1: Yep, thanks, everybody. Make sure you tune in this week. As I said, we're going to cover the uh, some forensics. We're going to cover... autopsy, get a better, clearer picture of what exactly happened, and then break down why Shorty and Ron were able to walk away from this scot-free. And a big thank you to our transcription team. Pamela Westby, Kathy McElaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yomnik, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scene videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. here we go. Here Does we, Mike uh, not kind of
0: start to show anymore?
2: I, li- I no, leave no, for no, one no, week and Mike doesn't do anything no, anymore. No,
1: he no, tried no, last no, week. He struggled last week and we ended up passing the ball. Uh, but if you want to go again.
2: It's all right.